Ozark Highlands Radio is brought to you by the Ozark Folk Center State Park in Mountain View, Arkansas, a wonderful way to enjoy yesterday. On the web at OzarkFolkCenter.com. Howdy, folks. This is Dave Smith, host of Ozark Highlands Radio. Welcome to our show. I guarantee you're going to like this week's show because we're bringing you the fantastic Western Swing fiddle band, the Quaby Sisters, three lovely young women from Texas who specialize in three-part harmony singing and fiddling. Also this week, Dr. Brooks Blevins will profile an interesting Ozark ballad, and I'll be down in the vault to visit with our old-time music guru, Mark Jones. All that and more this week on Ozark Highlands Radio. Growing up in Burleson, Texas, a southern suburb of Fort Worth, Hulda, Sophia, and Grace Quaby were ages 7, 10, and 12 in 1998 when they attended their first local fiddle competition in nearby Denton and decided fiddling was what they wanted to do. Today they specialize in the western swing style made popular in the 1930s and 40s by Bob Wills and other Texas fiddlers. Here's a set of songs and tunes from the Quaby Sisters. fiddling we the, actually the fiddle contest that we went to that kind of introduced us to fiddling was in Denton Texas which is 
a, a town north of Dallas Fort Worth area mm -hmm. so yeah it's that was the first place that we heard fiddling and um, the style that we grew up playing is Texas style fiddling and so it was the contest that we went to was a Texas style fiddle contest so people weren't playing they weren't playing bluegrass or old time like what you might hear out here in Arkansas um, it was straight up Texas style fiddling and we fell in love with it and wanted to try it we we just kind of happened to stumble stumble upon the fiddle contest thing we um, well you were probably gonna say we we were taking um, we had played a little bit of classical violin lessons and we didn't really know what fiddling was. And then after, mm -hmm. like Calda was saying, we went to the fiddle contest and were like introduced to this new style of music. We thought it was just the coolest. And um, we pretty much dropped all the, the violin stuff and just went straight into the fiddling and never turned back. <laughs>
remember Sophia and Hulda winning a lot of contests early on. <laughs> Actually, the very f first fiddle con contest we went to, Grace won her division. That was the first contest we ever competed in. I don't think I, I even think placed. I got last. Sophia didn't place, and Grace won. <laughs> so there I, you go. And then the second one, I think I got second in or yeah. something. And then, then we were kind of neck and neck from there on out. <laughs> I think the I mean, cool thing about what we do is um, being able to play together and always having each other kind of around, and especially when we grew up, you know, when we were living together. It did, it did, you know, inspire us to to practice and work hard at it. And then when we started playing music together and taking it out and doing gigs and stuff, um, there was a lot of, I mean, it's just a lot of camaraderie in working on something so kind of personal. Music is a really personal thing. It is. So you get to know, you get to know yourself and get to know your, your siblings really well. I mean, we would be lying <laughs> if we said we never had a little squabble. <laughs> but no, I think we get along really well. Mm -hmm. I mean, we all love the music we're playing and enjoy getting to be with each other, so we have a good time. playing together we do play a lot of harmony we play a lot of I guess close harmony I am NOT the world's greatest person when it comes to technical terms in music um, but we we do play a lot of 
Well, close harmony, and um, when we arrange stuff, it's just kind of, it really depends on the song, and I mean, we, we worked up a song the other day, and it, it was just a song that we sang together, and it came together in like an hour and a half, but then sometimes some arrangements take several weeks of tweaking, and you come up with ideas, and with the, you know, we have computers and iPhones, and we send each other voice memos, and you know, garage band and record stuff. So the process really is different mm -hmm. depending on the song. Yeah, it's true. We were more influenced by like the Mills Brothers and the Boswell Sisters and Sons of Pioneers and the McGuire Sisters. We liked them a lot. Mm -hmm. um, those were our, our biggest, you know, early singing influences. Mm -hmm. um, but of course we know who the Angie Sisters yes. are and, yeah. their, and their music and everything.
listen to so many different styles of music. And honestly, for us right now, um, our band is kind of in a, it's been in a transition period for the last about year and a half. Um, we have new players. We have kind of have a new vision for our music. And I mean, we grew up playing Western swing and country mm. and Texas South fiddling and jazz and swing. And we still play all those styles. We're kind of delving into songwriting. And then just the styles of music that we listen to, I mean, we draw from everything you can possibly think of. Mm -hmm. You know, music is one of those things, like like you were saying, it, it has to kind of evolve. It can't stay stagnant. And I think that doesn't mean you don't love what you've, you know, your earliest influences and what we've grown up playing. It's gonna always be, it's a part of us. Mm -hmm. And so whatever we do, um, it's gonna come through probably somehow. And um, yeah, so I look forward to, you know, the, the the newer material that we hope to bring to our audiences. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we'll probably try out that new stuff. Hopefully, we'll in have July. some new stuff to try out there. Yeah, yeah that'd be awesome. excited about it. That was the Dallas, Texas trio, the Quaby Sisters. In that first set, they played How High the Moon, Cold, Cold Heart, Every Which Way, Worried Over You, and we faded out with the Jesse Polka. I'm going to be playing a lot more great music from the Quaby Sisters, but after this break, I'm going to check in on my old pal Mark Jones down in the vault. This is Ozark Highlands Radio. Well, it's time to head down to the vault and visit with Mark Jones, who keeps track of all our recordings. Let's let's head down into the old dusty, dank vault and see what's going on down there. Dave, we need to get out of here and go out and fish some. We should go fishing. It's awful dark and yeah. dank down here. Yeah, we need to get you out in the sunlight, man. You're looking a little pallid. <laughs> I need it. But... Uh, 
you know, it's just, it amazes me when I walk back through all these racks of material and think about how that music has been transferred down from families and uh, just gone down generations. That's right. That's an important thing about Ozark music, I think, is that a lot of it is played by families and always has been. It's really interesting to me how it happens. And maybe they don't sing the same songs. Maybe they don't play the same instrument that their parents played, but just the feeling of music passes down from mother and father down to kids and all that. And there's a lot of them that are still out there doing it and doing it well, too. That's right. What music have you found for us this week? Well, I found, walking through here, I saw a um, recording of Betty Copeland. I remember Betty. Betty was one of the Copeland kids, we called them. That's right. And uh, her mom and dad was Percy and Ida Copeland. Yep, Percy was a harmonica player and a good one, too. He was a good harmonica player, but uh, I always thought that was... Thought she could really sing. They had a passel of kids, didn't they, Percy and Ida? And I think they all played music. Most every one of them did. That's for sure. You want to hear Betty singing... Life's Railway to Heaven? I sure do. Good old gospel song. Let's listen to it. that blessful shore Where the angels wait to join us In that grace forevermore You will roll up graves of trials Great, Mark. How nice to hear Betty sing after all these years. Uh, the Copeland kids are kind of all scattered now. They all grew up and moved off in different places, didn't they? They have. They've moved away. Some of them have moved away. Some of them are still here, though. Yeah. Some are still playing music, too. I know that. That's right. They sure are. Well, Mark, thank you so much for bringing that old tune back to light, okay? Thank you. See you next week. Along with headlining their own shows to ever-growing audiences, the Quaby sisters have shared stages with American music legends like Willie Nelson, George Strait, Merle Haggard, Ricky Skaggs and Kentucky Thunder, Asleep at the Wheel, Riders in the Sky, and many others. Here are the Quaby sisters on our stage at the Ozark Folk Center. 
Well, we have Simon Stipp on Archtop Guitar. And uh, we've known Simon for years and years, but he's only been playing in our band for a little over a year now. And uh, we've had a great time. He and Daniel Parr, who plays stand-up bass in our band, have been playing with us. They joined at the same time, been playing with us now for a little over a year. And we have been having so much fun on the road. Mm -hmm. I mean, they are, they're great guys and great players. Just, you know, it's really inspiring to have their perspectives mm -hmm. as well. Because we've, we've grown up with each other, but then to have new people who are your same age, you know, everyone has a little different take on music. And we've really enjoyed kind of the camaraderie we've had. When we get together and rehearse, it's really like a joint thing. Mm -hmm. And we've all been really enjoying that. A short time I have to be with you, my love, but a short time is better than no time, you see, so I bring
exactly. people that you enjoy just hanging out yeah. with and yeah. eating every meal with. You know, it's it's been great. It's it's been really fun because with the three of us, we're really honest with each other about our playing and singing. Somewhat brutally honest. <laughs> Somewhat That's brutally good. honest. Yeah. But the cool thing is, is they integrate really well into that and. We've found a we found a way to all be really honest with each other without, you know, feeling like you're gonna hurt somebody's feelings. You can just be like, no, 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 you didn't you didn't play good last night, but let's like work on it, figure out why, what did I do that you know wasn't good for you, and that kind of thing. So, the the communication within the group that we have right now has been the best that we've had, and we we love it. So. That's great. It's really it's fun because we it's feel like we're actually learning together and we're, we're creating something really creating something together mm -hmm. and and um you know we it, it's just been really fun yeah. <laughs> it's so. less we're the quaby sisters and they're the sidemen it's like we're a band yeah you know yeah mm -hmm. which is i like that feeling a lot yeah <laughs>
a long time ago, but we actually, the most recent thing that we did, um, we've been good friends with the Sleep at the Wheel for a long time, and um, their latest album is called Still the King, and they, they called us up and asked us to come and guests on it and there's a lot of guest artists that are playing on like every track and um, it's a great lineup and then Ray Vincent goes oh and by the way it's going to be a duet with Willie Nelson <laughs> we're like <laughs> how fast can we drive to Austin right now so yeah. that that was a lot of fun we toured with them in March of with the wheel not Willie yeah okay. not Willie <laughs> we did get to meet Willie though once mm -hmm. um forgot what that show was but it was down in Austin um but unfortunately the recording session we were we came in like we came in and sang our part and Willie's part had already been recorded we were a little bummed about that we were envisioning like the glamour of being in the studio with Willie Nelson that didn't happen but at least we got to be on the same you know same song track. which was awesome You're listening to the amazing fiddle and vocal trio, the Quaby Sisters. In this middle set, they played Yearning, followed by Summer of Roses, If I Talk to Him, and Andy Statman's haunting Flatbush Waltz. After this break, historian Brooks Blevins will continue his study of an original Ozark ballad. You're listening to Ozark Highlands Radio. Thank you. 
The date, February 2nd, 1886, marked the first official celebration of Groundhog Day in the small town of Punxsutawney, Pennsylvania. Though a few people in the Ozarks may have observed the old German-American folk custom of peeking in on the groundhog that day, February 2nd, 1886 would be better remembered in northern Arkansas for the onslaught of a blizzard that would take the life of 15-year-old John Lee. In the last of a three-part series on Ozark regional ballads and their backstories, we go back in the hills of Izzard County, Arkansas, more than 140 years ago, to revisit the tragic death of Little Johnny Lee and the song that it inspired. As with any ballad, Little Johnny Lee almost certainly contains inaccuracies in service to dramatic effect, but here's what we know about the story, based largely on research carried out about a decade ago by folklorists Mike Luster and Rachel Reynolds. On a small farm in the remote, rugged White River Hills lived the family of William Newton Lee and his wife, his second wife actually, Caledonia Ann. They were known to kin and neighbors as Newt and Doney. The Lees were extremely poor. Community memory pictured Doney as a hard-working, long-suffering wife who spent long hours carding, spinning, and weaving and bore her husband 11 children, some of whom did not survive childhood. That same community memory passed a different verdict on the life of Newt Lee, labeling him lazy, improvident, even mean. In spite of the falling snow on February 2, 1886, and the dark foreboding horizon, Newt Lee, ignoring Doney's entreaties, ordered his son John from his first marriage to the late Lizzie Lee and a grown but mentally deficient cousin by the name of Nathan Bailey to trudge the two miles to the nearest mill carrying corn to be ground into meal. Community memory, perhaps exaggerating the traveler's plight for dramatic effect, suggests that young John Lee set out on the journey in bare feet. John and Nathan struggled against the elements just to make it to the home of Mary Jane Coleman, Newt's sister, and her husband Samuel at about the halfway point of their trek. There, the freezing John stayed while Nathan continued on to the mill, where the kindly miller filled his order and fed him before he made his way back to the Coleman home before dark. Trying to sleep on the floor in front of the drafty front door, the two spent a miserable night with the Colemans before resuming their homeward journey the next morning. The duo did not make it home before John Lee collapsed in the deepening snow, too cold and weak to finish the trip. Nathan eventually made it back to the Lee house with the meal and told his uncle what had happened to John. Though just what transpired next differs from version to version of the ballad and community memory, Newt Lee comes off as the villain no matter what. Whether he insisted that Doney brew him a pot of coffee before venturing out to rescue his son, or he waited until the next morning to go find John, or he didn't go at all, Newt Lee was dismissed as a cruel and negligent father. John Lee froze to death in this unusually harsh blizzard on February 3rd. Community memory also purports that Newt Lee spent three years in jail for his inhumanity, but there is no proof of that. The finer details of the death of John Lee and the sorriness of his father may leave room for debate, but the author of the ballad, Little Johnny Lee, seems clear enough. It is attributed to a free-will Baptist preacher by the name of John F. Crafton, who would found a congregation not far from the site of John Lee's death more than a quarter of a century later. Whether Crafton composed the ballad before or after his time in the hills of southern Izzard County remains unclear. His Little Johnny Lee fits the mold of the sentimental religious-inspired songs of the Victorian era, 
altering the traveling companions from a grown man and an almost grown teenager to two boys, and reminding his listeners, perhaps his parishioners, that on the resurrection morning Johnny will not be denied, but may he ever have a home in that happy land of bliss. Published in a local weekly newspaper, Crafton's ballad entered the oral musical traditions of the White River Hills. By the 1950s, more than 60 years after the death of John Lee, Ozark music collectors gathered versions of Little Johnny Lee in north-central Arkansas. John Quincy Wolfe Jr. recorded snippets of the ballad from two different informants in Cave City. Springfield, Missouri music collector Max Hunter and University of Arkansas folklorist Mary Parler both recorded long versions of the song as sung by Bessie Owens in Batesville, Arkansas. Here is a portion of Owens's rendition of Johnny Lee from April 6, 1958, a recording preserved in the Ozark Folk Song Collection of the University of Arkansas Library's Digital Collections. So now at last what shall we do for little Johnny's dead? Nathan at last arrived at home and gave them all a Thanks, Brooks. Now let's get back to this week's featured performers. One thing that makes the Quaby Sisters' western swing sound is the great instrumental backup they have. Playing along with Hulda, Sophia, and Grace are Daniel Parr on bass and Simon Stipp playing guitar. Let's close out this week's show with three more fine tunes from the Quaby Sisters. When it's twilight on the train I ride alone The world is like a dream And the ripple of the stream Is my song When it's twilight on the train Never ever have a day 
listening to Once a Day. Um, it was written by Bill Anderson. And um, the story of that song is really cool because Connie Smith has had the hit on that. And it was her first hit song. And she had um, been discovered by Bill Anderson. And um, for us, that's neat because I remember the first time we played the Grand Ole Opry, we got to meet Connie Smith and that was so exciting. Mm -hmm. And uh, since then, we've played on the Marty Stewart show and gotten to open some shows for Marty Stewart and Connie Smith, and um, that's been really fun. She's been so encouraging to us, and she's just the sweetest lady, one of our favorite singers. So it's fun to get to do once a day and uh, sing it in three-part harmony. Yeah. She she actually called us up, been a couple of years ago, and she said, um, hey, would y'all be willing to do that, to, to sing once a day at my induction into the Country Music Hall of Fame? And we were we were just shocked, and so we were really excited to, to do that because it was like, um, you know, who else was inducted? Pig Robbins. They always induct like a a musician, a session a musician, session sideman. And then the other one was Garth Brooks. Yeah. So we were like, woo! It was a it was a definitely star-studded night of country music. <laughs> it was sure. it, was it was really it was fun, fun though. We we felt very honored that she would even think of us to do that. Wow! But it was cool.
Texans do like their state. That is for we, sure. We are very proud of Texas. We, we probably should um, get some bumper stickers. <laughs> I'm gonna pick up some of those don't mess with Texas. You know what? I think it's because Texas is so big, you can drive for literally nine hours and not get out of the state. It's so big. More than nine hours. And <laughs> it's got some, it's got a great economy and it has mm -hmm. all the resources. We could technically be our own country. And I think that that kind of makes us a little cocky, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and just the whole Texas, the whole Texas history of that, that, um, you know, the West and the cattle drives that came through Fort Worth. We used to play down there in the stockyards all the time. And just the just the whole culture of it is just really cool and very mm -hmm. unique. People um, are really friendly down there, they are. though. Except for the Dallas drivers. We apologize, everyone that drives in <laughs> Dallas. So I, I'm accused of being one of them. I I'm a very imagine. aggressive driver. I can <laughs> but, uh, you know, I think for Texas, it's just a really, it's a good place to own a business. It's a good place to live. It's yeah. cheap and everybody's friendly, and mm -hmm. that, I think that's why we like it so much. There you go. <laughs>
sisters. We've been listening to the incredible fiddling and singing of the Quaby sisters. The girls played Twilight on the Trail, Going Away Party, and finished with a popular song from 1936, It's a Sin to Tell a Lie. Thanks for listening to our show. If you're going to visit us here in Mountain View, drop us a line, and we'll arrange for you to ring the cowbell that starts every one of our live shows. For Ozark Highlands Radio, I'm Dave Smith. See you next week. Ozark Highlands Radio is produced by Jeff Glover. Executive producer is Darren Dorton. Additional support for this program comes from the Committee of 100, proudly supporting the Ozark Folk Center State Park since 1974. And by Arkansas State Parks, with 52 unique reasons to visit the natural state. More information online at arkansasstateparks.com. For information on upcoming shows and events, we are on the web at ozarkhighlandsradio.com. Until next time, I'm Donna Farrar.